Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. And this is episode 161 of Sitcom Geeks. And uh, we're very pleased to announce we've got, uh, we, we have uh, a winner. Remember in the last episode we talked about the, uh, the short list for the uh, mm. three uh, best scenes from my uh, Making a Scene of It competition. And um, I called in a hugely experienced panel of judges to uh, judge the shortlist, which was uh, James, basically. (laughs) (laughs) So we have decided between us, uh, after many hours of discussion and fight... Well, actually, of course he's joking, but I I sort of read them and I I sort of said, I I think this one's my favourite. And Dave said, oh, yeah, that one was my favourite too. So um, shall I announce it? Uh, Yes, do you want to... You announce the title and I'll announce the, uh, the writers. So the title is called Coconut Republic. And it's written by Rebecca Bain and Alex Garrick Wright. So congratulations to you two. Um, we mentioned in the last uh, episode how, uh, you know, it's a massive story. Uh, is it a sitcom? I don't know, but it was just very funny. James, what were your feelings about the three well, I thought, I mean, I enjoyed all three of them. They were very easy to read. They zipped along. The dialogue was good. Um, the characters were, you know, had, had plenty going for them. So they were, I think what was good about it is they were interesting situations. And I think it's really good to actually have an exciting story to tell. You know, you don't have to, not every, sitcoms don't have to be set around a sofa and everyone gets, you know, the, the hunt for the remote control. I mean, it's like, that's not really much of a story. So Coconut Republic really sets that bar pretty high. And, um, you know, the the intro says that this is three British engineering employees um, who go to a Caribbean dictatorship to win a natural gas contract, which doesn't sound very promising. And they are. But it kind of like stuff happens. And this scene is a funny, um, you know, they've been taken hostage by, you know, a rebel leader kind of scene. And I just like it when you know, when stuff happens. But it's also not just crash bang wallop at all. It's it's all in the reaction um, and, you know, the, the scene itself has a beginning and a middle and an end as well. So it was my favourite. I liked it the most. Um, and, yeah, so worthy winners. But, of course, uh, the other scripts uh, by uh, J- uh, Joel Joel and Joel and also by, by Ralph, I thought, were, were good too and well written. So, um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I liked, um, with the uh, gains by Joel and Joel, I, li- I liked that it, it, it um, did everything that I asked uh, for from the, uh, in the competition. It, 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 uh, and, you know, they, they were very hard asks, really. It's like, it, each one on their own is was sort of reasonable enough, but you had to have kind of uh, a first escalation, really, of a story. So we, did, we, we knew there's something interesting mm-hmm. going to happen. Uh, and they had that. And then they had a scene that, then escalated from that and then they had the follow-up the outro would be a direct escalation of that and they also had you know nice believable characters and uh, good jokes as well um and uh ralph as well ralph's story um i think i've just got here i i i I just um really loved his uh the uh first um the the first 50 words uh where he says um a retired mi5 agent who impulsively decided when she learned she had a year to live that she would systematically dispose of everyone who'd wronged her over the course of her life. And that just made me go, yeah, okay. That's good. I think in that, the word impulsively there, I think you don't really need, impulsively makes an alarm bell ring off for me and says, oh, this isn't character-based then. But actually, when you read it, it is character-based. And so I thought, 
that impulsively uh, was was a false flag. So I would I would leave that out. Uh, but uh, it was a, it was a fun scene, and I I enjoyed the relationship between her and her son turns up, and she clearly doesn't think very much of him without actually saying it. And I thought uh, that was some some nice writing as well. Uh, but just going back to the um, I mean, in a way, what particularly two of the, uh, these three do, it kind of typifies. Uh, I can't remember who it was who said it, but it's a bit of a trope, I think, is that you either want normal people in an abnormal situation or abnormal people in a normal situation. And I think quite often we get normal people in a normal situation, which is not terribly uh, interesting. So I think it was Jack Doherty, but he was, wasn't he? He was quoting someone else, I think. I can't... Yes, it might have been Marty Feldman or someone like that, I think. Um, so, and, I, and I, what I liked about the hostage one, uh, where they, you know, in the scene there are hostages, but it's like the whole thing is not about hostages, but I like the fact that they were slightly slightly boring kind of businessman diplomat types and so this is kind of what they kind of had to deal with so rather than being secret agents they were sort of middlemen you know it was much I enjoyed the banality of them in the extraordinary situation I think that was kind of quite good so it's just worth thinking if you're writing a sitcom do which is the strange bit you know do do, do you have do you have abnormal characters in a normal world or do you have abnormal char- normal characters in an abnormal world? But p- please make sure that one of these two is abnormal um, or that, you know, it's, I feel like there's some, the NAND gates and electronics are starting to kick in at this point. I don't remember much about my GCSE physics, but, but anyway, I should probably stop talking about that before people uh, start to switch off in their droves. Dave, you say something. The Venn diagram of, of physics... Uh... <laughs> fans and well it's actually it's probably quite big you know a lot of physics fans and sitcom writing i imagine it's bigger than you might think yeah big bang theory uh, mm. douglas adams fans and the yeah. like but um yeah so that's that uh so that's that so uh excellent thanks very much for that uh rebecca and alex and, and i in fact i gather they uh they did it they also won there was a recently a, a bcg pro competition um sketch or something uh that they they I think both they and Ralph were, were winners in that as well. Oh, so um, I, I was completely unaware of that. So I feel vindicated. Yeah, yeah. So um, definitely some names to watch there. And if I, I mm. actually, I did, I, I remembered Ralph when I saw his name and I saw, I saw a picture. I'd actually seen him about ten years earlier. I was judging a a, a sketch. Uh, competition, um, a, a live sketch competition. He was in a, a in a group on that, and we had we we ended up having sort of quite a big email exchange afterwards about you know what what do you do and what do you need to do, and and he's you know he's, he's clearly he's kept on, he's kept going, and I'm uh, delighted to see that you know. Mm. Yeah, and there's a um a podcast episode called The Comedy Loser Presents. Uh, writers in various stages of development with Rebecca Bain and Alex Garrick Wright. So that's come out uh, very, very recently. So uh, people can go and uh, find find that. Yeah, excellent. Okay. Um, I just thought I've just got one other thing that I wanted to uh, mention before we go into because we actually recorded an uh, episode where we're going to t- uh, talk a little bit uh, more about... Um, s- aspects of you know becoming a writer making a living as a writer uh and i just thought you might be interested to know that the uh executive producer of a show which i worked on in 1990 <laughs> called uh, up your up your news uh it was like the first ever daily news uh uh show and um 
we did the two-week run at the Edinburgh Fringe, and so there's like ten episodes that are called Up Your Festival, um, mm. and it's absolutely fascinating. I just looked through it. I I I watched it. I mean, I mentioned it partly because I did a thing. I I wrote a kind of five-part series for it, which I I presented as this sort of character I was doing at the time. Um, and it, it, about a young student company that comes up to the Edinburgh Fringe, um, and uh, but it, it, it's amazing just seeing some of the other things that are on this this show because you get to see uh, all the people who you hadn't heard of in 1990, like uh, Frank Skinner, Sean Hughes, Jack D, Joe Brand, all these people me. doing their early stand-up sets or doing sort of interesting sketchy type things like Sean Hughes doing and you know all all sorts and sort of classic uh fun Edinburgh music type things um so it's just it's just a really interesting uh if if you're interested in seeing um what uh the kind of up and coming comedy of 1990 looked like it's a great little uh, snapshot it's just a, uh, been put up on YouTube it's called up your Y-E-R, Festival 1990. We are going to talk about uh, the business of being a comedy writer, and uh, which means that we're not going to talk about so much about the mechanics of your script, but uh, which of course is very important. But uh, what's really equally important, we think, uh, is to uh, have some kind of strategy in place for how you are going to uh, become a comedy writer, which I'm sure all of you want to do. So um, we've been James and I have. I think we've we've progressed really. This uh, the sitcom geeks has been a journey, hasn't it? Really, James. When we when we started, um, you know, and people were doing YouTube YouTube videos uh, in about 2015 and 16 uh, that were like sort of uh, horrible lighting and uh, not quite working and mm. they looked a bit clunky and they'd get three views. Um, the general kind of feeling was, don't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I think, so our advice has changed a bit when it comes to just sort of making your own stuff. And because I think it is now easier to make good stuff, uh, especially that's sort of achievable. And even if you've got a decent track record, you can make good stuff if you've got a really good idea and execute it well. The other day I saw a little sketch done by The Pin, who I really, oh. really like. Uh, and they've been just in lockdown putting up sketches and just reminding people of how incredibly funny they are, which would cost literally nothing to film but they've thought of an idea that works on a very low budget. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, 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 so I think it's, I think that the technology is really there if, if you're prepared to learn how to use it. And we talked a little bit about that in a previous episode, didn't we? Where we just said learning new skills yeah. is really important. And I think that's, you know, uh, not only have technology got uh, a lot easier to operate and and it's better uh you know like and, and people actually say now um if you want to record something i i actually had to record something for for uh my kids school the, uh, recently and they said actually you'll get a better quality recording it on your phone um than uh, than just doing it on the uh, laptop um but actually um I think not only that, but the pandemic, what that has done as well, is that that has brought us all online. 
uh, in massively and in ways that we hadn't really sort of thought were going to happen as well. So um, the, if, if you were already kind of uh, involved in the digital economy at some level uh, uh, a year or two years ago, uh, you are now kind of in a position where that kind of thing is really starting to have an effect. And so uh, it's a, I, we, we think it's definitely a good idea. I mean, even if you're not actually necessarily making sketches, I mean, doing podcasts as well is uh, also a really good idea. We've talked about this a lot, but actually we decided that uh, from th this year that actually we, we try and be a little bit more proactive about it uh, as classic sitcom characters. Yeah. And um, so we've actually thought we would like to... Um, do some special uh, workshops with uh, Patreon, which we'll talk about uh, in a bit. But before we get to that, I just wanted to ask you, James, if you've got any thoughts about the way you've been uh, dealing with technology, say, in the last year or so. Well, yeah, a fair amount, actually. And I'm speaking to you, as it were, in my YouTube studio. It's not particularly pretty, but I've got a large LED light that I had been using for stage lighting. So just, uh, just to peel back, so run about in 2015, we started this podcast. How do you make a podcast? Well, I don't know. <laughs> we just sort of figured it out. And it wasn't technically that hard. We had a bit of help from our friend Katie Story, who was our producer at the start. And then, uh, and now we're getting a bit of help with the, with the editing as well. Because um, it became a bit too much uh, for, for us to do. So we kind of figured that out. And I've been doing live comedy as well and uh, and touring stuff, particularly around uh, churches, because I obviously have a, an interest in, in Christianity. And I bought a set of lights. And now I'm using one of those lights in order to make sure I'm well lit so that when I make YouTube videos, I'm actually well lit. And then I also bought a sound desk so that I'm speaking to you via a Zoom L8. And it was, I don't know, 300 quid or something. Uh, it cost about the same as the portable version. And so I've got a half decent microphone. It was less than 100 quid. So these things cost hundreds of pounds and not thousands. And you can do it. You can start without any of them. You know, we didn't spend any money on the podcast at the start. I know it seems incredible and hard to believe if you go back to episode one <laughs> that we were just using a USB mic. Um, but in a way, if you if you have a story to tell, if you want to do something, you kind of figure it out. So in a way... Rather than just think, I suppose I better learn a new skill, you know, flick through the internet, what am I going to learn? I would say, work out what story you want to tell. What do you want to do? And then figure out how to do it. And I think it was Werner Herzog, the um, movie director, who says, you can make a movie for $2,000. You just need to figure out how to make a movie for $2,000. Um, and that's different from how you make a movie for, for $28 million. They're, they're just completely different processes. So... If you've got a story to tell and you've got $2,000, well then, figure out how you're going to make your movie for $2,000. Which I know doesn't sound that helpful initially, but in a way it, it makes the point that if you're passionate enough about a story or a character or you're just passionate about establishing yourself as a comedy writer, which is fair enough, then you, you need to set yourself a challenge and find some technical hurdles and overcome them and then and then learn and then do it better. And that, that's the advice I'm getting I've been watching YouTube videos about how to make YouTube videos. Funnily enough, there are quite a lot of those. And yeah. a lot of the advice is always, you know, just make make just start because if you if you wait till it's perfect, you'll never start. But when you do start, just make sure that each time you make one, you do something slightly better next time. So, 
you know, these are all, there's loads of advice out there, but ultimately yeah. you've got to want to do it, haven't you? Yeah, and I think um, actually um, that that comes back to the other thing that I, I wanted to talk about in relation to this, which this, which is again when we started out in uh, 2015, uh, we're always talking about you know getting that. Uh, getting that script on TV, meeting that producer. We will talk a little bit about that uh, in a moment as well. But but that's, uh, from uh, from your point of view, James, how would you say, compared to, say, 2015, how much uh, are you kind of uh, focused on TV, 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 and how much are you focused on James Carey's uh, comedy writing career? Well, I mean, to be completely cynical about it, one of the reasons I do this podcast and uh, tweet is to remind people in TV that I am available to work in TV. So, you know, although obviously I'm, we're giving this podcast away out of the goodness of our hearts, uh, we are saints, uh, there's an element of I've just decided that I'd like to be a go-to person for how to fix stuff. And I do pick up work and have picked up work on script editing work because... I've, I've shown that I, I think about this stuff a lot and pro- can probably do a, do a job. And so once a year, something TV-based tends to come along and sometimes it goes somewhere and sometimes it doesn't. As I've said on a previous podcast, I ended up writing for Shakespeare and Hathaway. I wrote a script of that, uh, which is a daytime detective show, which sells very well internationally. Um, I've sort of, I haven't quite had a sitcom idea for TV that I've just absolutely wanted to go all in on and knock doors down until I get it. Cause I'm aware of what a costly, emotionally costly thing that is to do. But I have just circled back to an audio idea that I would really like to do. So I think you've got to have that passion to tell that story or to do that thing. Cause it's just so hard. Um, and in the meantime, I'm writing a novel, which I'm really passionate about with a couple of characters. Um, so I'm just trying to make sure that I write stuff in the morning because I'm a writer and in the afternoon I record podcasts and edit podcasts and do YouTube videos and uh, keep pruning my, you know, looking at my uh, video course, writing your sitcom and all those other kind of ways uh, of, of just keeping, just reminding people that I'm here and doing stuff and making stuff that keeps it interesting for me. Yeah. And, what about um, you? That's, uh, uh, that, that's interesting. In a sense, I kind of feel, I suppose... Uh, being a little bit older than you, James, uh, I think I've, I've no. said, said before. Uh, certainly, my, uh, my my days of uh, well, and so for the last year anyway, there haven't been these days anyway. But my days of going into offices to write one-line jokes for chairs of uh, panel shows, uh, jokes that will of which maybe two will see the light of day if I'm lucky for a day's work. But though um, those days have gone, and another show shows that I've worked on have kind of come to the end of their their kind of natural life uh or my my sort of ability to do them really but so generally I would say from my point of view I've come much more I've become much more of a sort of DIY person but uh, I'd just like to very quickly mention here uh Danny Stack of course who who you've had on the show and uh was a sort of very early pioneer I would say of the kind of DIY sort of career that we're we're talking about that we think people it's worth having uh now so I think if you don't quite have that same access to TV um, that um, James and I have, or if like like myself, you are in the twilight years, maybe mm. of that kind of uh, uh, 
career, but Danny's got some really, uh, he sort of put some really useful advice on uh, uh, Twitter because we do get asked all the time, we always get asked this question, how do I get an agent? How do I get an agent? And um, he just sort of came up with a few little uh, thoughts and ideas of how, what, what, what do you need to do? And uh, so the sort of things that he talks about are obviously, you know, you, you, you keep writing, but have, have lots of different uh, scripts. Don't just have your one script. This is advice we've given a lot, but mm. maybe don't just have your one sitcom script. Maybe, you know, you might not necessarily get asked to write on a sitcom, but you might get asked to do, uh, you know, to come in for a day, do a panel show or something. So have sitcom scripts, but also have other other things, maybe other ideas um, that you can uh, show people. Um, and uh, have you got anything to add to that, James? Um, yeah, I think having having various ideas in various stages of development, uh, which is what we've joked about a little bit before, and, and you've now learned how to say that without slightly giggling. And um, yeah. But I think it's not dishonest to say that if you do have some ideas in various stages of development and make sure they are in various stages of development. Make sure, make sure you've got a really good script that is, as it were, finished and another script that is under construction and a third idea in maybe a different genre uh, or even a different medium uh, that, again, you can talk about, or it's a story you don't quite know. You've been researching it a bit. There was a story of a pirate ship that was scuttled off of Cornwall and maybe you thought oh well that could be is that a movie is that a novel so that when you if you do get a meeting with an agent or a producer you've got three things to talk about um because the odds are the script that they've that you've got that meeting with uh, then they're not going to they're not going to want to make it for whatever reason uh I don't know why that is but uh but yeah so I think in a way you want to kind of behave like you have a career uh, rather than uh, just sort of keep knocking at the door with your one script. I think you need to, you know, if you want to be a writer, then write, and then uh, just make sure you're persevering. And and yeah, and these are these ideas from Danny. I think are really good. If you go and follow him at Danny Stack underscore uh, on Twitter, then you you can see this thing. And also, episode one four one is the one to go back to where we spoke to Danny and his mate Tim, and they've made movies. Um, They've made a kids movie that's on Amazon uh, called um, Nelson, Who Killed Nelson Nutmeg. They've made a kids show for um, uh, for another streaming service, which I wrote an episode for. Um, so, you know, he's he's always out there doing stuff. I think he's a really good model uh, of mm. of just sort of hustling, really, which is not doesn't come naturally to most British people, let alone most write, British writers. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's very true, and that's something. And in fact, funnily enough, I had a a, a little kind of uh, discussion. I think is a polite way of putting it on uh, Twitter. When I put up, I've been putting up blogs quite recently about having taking a more business like uh, approach, and lot like you know we talked before in an episode about you know never imagining that either of us would ever say the word webinar in our in our yeah. lives yeah. and uh and the, some of the th phrases that i find myself typing now i just think that me from 10 years ago would just be looking at me like i was some sort of weird uh capitalist monster mm. um and and the, the particular phrase that that triggered 
somebody was about you need you need to be a a brand in comedy and i don't mean you know russell or katie or joe uh because they've already got that it's uh sewn up but mm. you know you have to sell yourself and you know we had uh, i i, I kind of had quite a good discussion with some people about it people who teach comedy who sort of balked at the idea of that and i just said well you know i think it's sort of you, you you, you, there, there are so many people competing, so many people wanting to do this, and what you have, you know, you have your uh, emotional uh, input, you know, everything. You have everything that's happened to you. That's the, you are the only person who is you, um, which you know kind of doesn't ma- make much difference if you wanted to be like an accountant or uh, um, or, or, or a banker or something. But you know, if you want to be a writer, that's yeah. actually quite an important thing and yes it's true that also if you want to be a writer that's probably because you are somebody who's maybe a little bit introvert and doesn't like to push themselves out there um which is also true but you kind of probably if you want to make a career out of it you're probably going to have to get over that and i think one of the things danny mentions as well is networking which is a word that's you know fills most of us with horror and you probably think, well, there's no networking happening anyway uh, with the pandemic. But he says, you know, even with COVID, you can actually, you know, there's a lot of conferences online. There's a lot of events occurring. And you know, he says, get to know the names of the people who are talking on those and, and you know, make contact with them. Uh, he puts in capital letters in one of these tweets on this, be normal, mm. which is quite a nice uh, piece of advice i think uh don't be pushy or ingratiating but then the last uh piece of advice i'm going to take from him i think on this is uh be patient Mm. you know don't expect stuff to happen and um, don't expect stuff to fall into your lap so um yeah i mean i've been i mean talking about thinking the unthinkable uh you know i know i wrote a sitcom called that but um i've been i've been quoting bill gates on on my blog and on on my YouTube uh, videos, the Situation Room, uh, because he's the one who says, well, he is quoted as saying, most people underestimate what they you know they overestimate what they can do in a year, and they underestimate what they can do in five or ten years, and I think that's much better advice than the ho ho funny advice from Douglas Adams saying, I love deadlines, I love the sound they make as they whoosh past, and yeah. you go, well, all right, if you've if if you've written Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy then you you get to do that joke uh Mm. i tell you what it's flipping annoying for everybody else so (laughs) your show had better be pretty flipping funny to be that annoying uh, because it's not cool to miss deadlines you're causing people hassle and work uh so you know i i think hopefully slowly the amateurish uh way of doing things which is has that kind of british eccentricity about it and actually um, is, is going away and I, I was literally thinking this very morning and again talking about diversifying I've started a, a, a weekly newsletter column which is joining up my, my Christian faith and culture and church history and you know loads of other stuff like that which is interesting for people who probably go to church or like the Bible and I was quoting in reference to Oliver Cromwell but David Frost at the beginning of my book writing that sitcom I talk about how nobody liked David Frost because he tried hard. And people like Peter Cook and Willie Rushton didn't like that because they just thought it's a bit cheating. If you try, it's a bit cheating. And so there was, you know, Sir David Frost 
wildly internationally successful. And they just thought, oh, oh, oh dear. And, um, and, I, and I don't think that's terribly helpful. And it may, A, it's fine if you're a comic genius like Peter Cook and you're the funniest person in Britain. Great. But for the rest of us normal people, especially in a world yeah. where 6,000 other people are writing scripts and, and entering them for the BBC Writers' Room, you're going to have to be a bit like, do you want to do this? Because if you do, you're going to have to work out a plan and work out not just how to get on, but how to persevere in trying to get on as well. Sorry, I slightly went off on one there, didn't I? No, no, I think because that's all part of what we're, we're talking about. I just, I just wanted to pick up on something you said as well uh, when we're talking about uh, being professional and not being and not being amateur uh, uh, and having lots of scripts. And, and a, th a thing that I've noticed a little bit recently is um, I do get uh, writers coming to me with a script and then uh, a year later they'll come back with the same script and... Another year later, they'll come back with that same script. And there's a kind of, uh, we've, you've got to strike a balance between uh, being too attached to the one idea, which is the, your soul and your passion. And from my own experience, the, the, the idea of my soul and my passion is the one that doesn't get made. Um, and then the one that I kind of, the chance one that I think, oh, I'll give this a go, give that, then that does get made. But uh, you have to be able to, have you know not not just be oh i'm bored with the idea i'm going to start a new one but you you need to find a balance somewhere between that and not letting go of the thing that you keep trying to get right and you are determined and you're sure this is going to be the one so uh, it, it is about having that more kind of professional attitude i think to yeah. to the job yeah earlier this year i wrote some sort of new year type be a more effective writer thing on my blog, sitcomgeekablogspot.com. And uh, my one of my pieces of advice is, um, you know that thing you've been working on? Bin it. Ditch it. Uh, you're not going to come up with anything else until you finally let go of that thing that you've been sort of fiddling around with for several years. If you never finish anything, then finish something and finish that and make it as good as it can be. But I just think lots of people say, no, no, you should stick at it, stick at it. It's like, well, I think you need three ideas and not one. I think you want one of them to be really good. But actually, maybe this isn't that really good idea. Maybe this is the third idea and you need to start a new idea. So yeah. a bit of advice one is bin it. A bit of advice two is start all over again with my video course, uh, <laughs> writing your sitcom, uh, which does go, which, which takes you from the beginning to the end. Um and is also about kind of your voice. It doesn't, you you do need to have a brand. You do need to show in your script now more than ever that sort of just having a decent idea for a sitcom and executing it quite well, well, is, isn't enough, is it? Um, no. You, you do actually need, why, why is this, you know, why this, why now, why you? We say this uh, quite often. So you do need a bit of a brand. Um, and yeah. so... I, you know, it's not when people sort of bulk at it because they have their kind of an idea about the purity of writing. I don't think that's very helpful. But converse, I don't know if this person was a drama person, but actually I find that people who do drama much more professional about the way they go about things. And they do yeah. tend to have a bit more of a conveyor belt approach, which I think is quite healthy. 
Um, to be fair yeah. as well, I think you know there there is more of a conveyor belt uh, in the world of drama. You know there are yeah. there are soaps and there are long running dramas. You know there are several hundred episodes of uh, drama every new drama every year, and maybe there's uh, I doubt if there's even three figures of new comedy uh, in number of hours or even half hours. Um, but um, I think so. What 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 James and I have uh, we've we've been kind of thinking about this and how best to sort of help Help, uh, in ways over and above the uh, the writing, which which obviously is primarily what we're about, and writing sitcom and getting your stuff made, but uh, the, the, being able to make a living at uh, being a comedy writer, and how how do you get into a position where you can actually be developing your sitcoms, and the, and the way to be doing that is to be making a living in in other forms of comedy writing, or or just getting some quick wins and other things, so. So we're uh, what we're doing is we have the we are we have our Patreon site and we've uh, you know a lot of you uh, listen who are uh, who who signed up for Patreon and and it's fantastic for us because it allows us to kind of carry on doing these shows but we're doing an extra thing we're going to bring in now for the kind of top tier end of people is uh, we're going to do a monthly uh, workshop. And actually go into sort of quite a lot of detail into sort of very specific things that you can be doing uh, to kind of improve things for your career. So we will be looking at things like, for instance, uh, we know, you know, for instance, you can't just send a script off to um, a TV company or a, a, an agent and expect them to read it. And they say, oh, we don't take unsolicited stuff. But there are ways of getting your scripts read. And we would do in a workshop, for instance, about how do you get your script read by somebody who may not be TV producer, but is sort of next next person down from there uh or next person along from there maybe uh we'll also look at things like um children's tv because that's another area where you can actually uh that you know they are still making shows and they are still talking to writers but there, there are sort of specific things you have to do to get into that we'll look at uh you know other ways in which you can develop your professional approach as a writer really and uh and ways of sort of marketing yourself and coming up with your brands and doing stuff online so we're going to do like these monthly workshops and there will be uh, uh preparation that we can do beforehand for you we'll we'll, mm. um, uh, we'll send them out to you and and um you know, we we hope we're hopefully these are going to be very sort of practical courses as well. So, uh, it's the last Wednesday in uh, of the month we're planning to do them. So the first one is going to be on uh, Wednesday, the thirty first of March, at um, five p.m. GMT. So um, that will be. I'll certainly be doing that one. Join um, in, and also if you do join in, um, you'll get a really you'll get the best discount off that video course I mentioned, writing that sitcom as well. So, um, you, writing your sitcom uh, is is my video course, and you'll get a really really big discount on that as well. So, uh, do do make use of that, and it'll be a quite a small group as well, won't it? So you'll be able to ask lots of questions as well, and when we can really dig in. Um, yeah. and also do some technical stuff about scripts as well and you know there'll be lots of time to ask questions yeah and so um, that's uh, as I say we're going to be doing that once a month and uh, hopefully we will start to see some you know you can you'll start to see some results from uh, some of the things that you do sort of put into place with that definitely 
Cool. Well, well uh, uh, so uh, do go and find Danny. Uh, I think what I like about Danny Stack's approach is that he's just someone who's just always made the most of the opportunities and just persevered. And he's always very cheerful about it as well. I don't think he lets, I'm sure he has long dark nights of the soul as well. Uh, but he's, he's always just found a way of keeping moving. Uh, and I think in a way it's just trying something different. Maybe 2021 is the year to just to try something completely different. You could even, you know, make your own audio uh, project. Uh, you know, I've talked about podcasts, but you could do a comedy, um, a comedy drama. You could do, uh, YouTube videos, uh, you could do all kinds of things. And although they're unlikely to become a viral YouTube sensation, just statistically speaking, um, it just means that when you're contacting people, you can just show what you can do and they, they suddenly get a bit of a handle on you and your voice and, dare we say it, your brand. Yeah. And also, just to say uh, as well, even if nothing else comes from it, you learn a lot about the process and you, you get to learn... That as a writer, you know, when you just sit there and you write your words and you send them off and that's the end of it. But if you actually make something that's your writing and then you uh, get actors to come and voice it and then you edit it and then you, you put the thing together, you, you are understanding a lot more about the process and maybe understanding why uh, a line didn't work or didn't go in or why your script wasn't used. Uh, and it's not a personal thing, even mm. though uh, writing the thing is obviously a very personal thing for you. Um, but often the reasons why our stuff doesn't get used are for uh, other reasons or professional reasons and things. And so it, it, it gives you, uh, it takes that kind of emotional uh, baggage away from uh, the, the, the job in hand. And it is a job and it is about you being professional. Yeah. I mean, the alternative is that if you just like comedy and comedy writing and you're, this is a hobby, then that's great, too. Um, so, you, you know, you don't have to uh, build a career. It's just we're coming across more and more people who do actually want to do this and are really serious about it. Um, and so these are the kinds of things that you need to start thinking about. But if you if you have if you're very happy with your job at the Inland Revenue or whatever, then that's great. Uh, and you enjoy writing comedy and thinking about it. Uh, then in a way you're, you're in a very strong position because you don't necessarily have that endless frustration that lots of people have um, that they can't progress uh, within this within this industry. But in a way, yeah. it just feels like it's a bit of a Wild West and that all bets are off. And although I've got lots of experience from the last 20 years, in a way, I feel like it's a bit of a level playing field, really, that, that others have... I'm not much further ahead of the queue than others. Uh, do you feel that, Dave? Well, that's exactly what I've been saying with my uh, with my novel, and in fact, I've I've been writing a, a lot of blogs for that as well, actually, and uh, putting them up on my uh, on, on my new blog uh, website. And I talk about the fact that I, I I am in the situation now that a lot of people who come to us are in in terms of sitcom writing. I am uh, a, a new novel writer. Nobody in the world of novel writing knows who I am, um, and uh, you know I've got this new twitter site with 35 followers hmm. um so you know i've got i've got a, a very long way to go to build that up but and in fact i use the word hobby in one of my um, blogs i sort of think well my, that's my approach with the novel writing is as far as i'm concerned it's a hobby because uh, hmm. i love doing it i love writing novels and i want to carry on doing it whatever else i i do and so kind of having that attitude has helped me i think to 
say, okay, well, it's a hobby that I would like to do more with, um, but I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm not you know, I'm not under any illusion about how hard it's going to be. Uh, but I love doing the writing so much. I will just sort of carry on doing that. But if, if things do happen, you know, if I get a, a, any results out of that, then all of that will be a, a bonus for me, I think. Yeah. I think it's very much about repetition and craft and, and that patience that Danny mentions on, on the Twitter uh, string of, of, of tweets. So, for example, this year I just decided, right, I'm, I'm going to start a newsletter. It, it, I call it a column. And if you go to jamescarey.substack.com, then then you can find it. And it's it's me joining up a variety of, of things that I'm interested in. There's a you know, there's obviously some stuff about comedy and religion. And I've written a book on that. And I've got another one coming out later this year. Um, again, books do not make you much money. But I've just thought if I just do one of these a week and every morning, normally on a Wednesday, um, this is just an example of of kind of a, of a habit. On Wednesday mornings, I write an article. I usually have a have very I've got lists of kind of ideas I could do. Spend the morning on it, go over it again on Thursday afternoon um, and then and then put it up to go to drop on Friday lunchtime. So that I've had two bites at it. My wife proofreads it for me. And I'm just also making sure that I've had two, I've slept on it twice so that I'm going to say, I'm hopefully not saying anything that's either going to end my or somebody else's career. Um, because I don't, I'm not particularly, I'm not trying to, you know, get anyone into trouble. I'm just trying to reflect on, on things. Um, and so my idea for that is to, you know, and Substack is a great newsletter system because it kind of, you can monetize it, but I'm not going to try and monetize it until I've maybe got to a thousand people who look at it. Um, you know, you really do need to, and to get there, it's probably going to take me all year, maybe, maybe longer in the same way that if you start a podcast, you know, you'll get to a hundred, you know, you, you'll get a hundred listens maybe fairly quickly, but that is the average. And then you'll creep up to sort of three, 400, and then you might creep up to eight, 900, and that might take you three years. Um, but actually, uh, you've all, you've also learnt an awful lot about how to do it better. So one of the reasons I'm writing in this prose form is I want to improve as a prose writer. Um, so that's just something that I've decided to do, and it might lead to money. It might not. You know, it might mean that I get commissioned to write an article for uh, the Church Times or something like that, and that that would be fine too. And that's another way of monetizing it. So I think it's embracing yeah. the rhythm and the habit and the process as well as the effect it's going to have directly on your career and opening up opportunities. So it, it, is, a, it is a marathon. It is not really a sprint. Yeah. I've actually, I've been writing every day, every morning, 40 minutes, uh, just, just uh, writing dump, I call right. it. Um, uh, and it's been just incredibly useful because I'm partly, because I am now doing three blogs a week anyway right. at the moment. Um, and being ahead on blogs is something that I'd never, ever managed before. Mm. Um, but it's also uh, helping me to plan the other things and, uh, and to become more sort of produ productive and more efficient. So, um, so what's yeah, happening in that, in that 40 minutes, Dave? What, what you, you, you call it a bit of a brain dump. What, what is actually happening? Yeah. 
Well, it started off as uh, just towards the end of the year, and uh, and actually, uh, we talked about this before about my my technophobia, and I thought I'm going to have to uh, kind of overcome this fear of technology, and I and I just started to write, and I thought well, actually. Uh, I'm just going to sit down if I've got 40 minutes and I'll start writing and I realised after I'd written for 40 minutes I just thought actually this now divides into five subsections here <laughs> I can, and uh, why don't I do something tomorrow about concentrating on that aspect like for instance my fear of uh, accounts um, which I'm sure all self-employed people have what's that about and then mm. that became a thing about accounts spreadsheets and, that, and then and, and, and you know got, and then I thought actually well that um, also, I've got this new novel that I want to write, and I've kind of got ideas when, and, and I've, I want to plan some time to do this. Well, why don't I just sit down tomorrow and write forty minutes, free thinking about what the new novel's going to, how how right. that's going to work out, and it, and it just everything everything that I do now is just like, I think well. I'll just sit there for 40 minutes and, and write. And, and one thing usually emerges from the, that kind of 40 minutes of writing, one, one very clear thing, oh, this is the next thing that I have to do. Uh, so, and it just, uh, and, and I've just never run out of things to want to write about. And I'm up to about 70 or 80 days running now. Wow, that's good. I mean, I think you do need to not just take control of your career, but take control of your day. Um, I've gotten into the habit recently now of, um, so, you know, I'm a full-time writer, so I guess I get to do this, but it, think about the principle. Uh, I write in the mornings. I don't do, I don't agree to anything else in the mornings. And so if somebody wants, if, if somebody wants to have a meeting, I, n I only really ever offer the afternoons because it's like, no, I can't, I can't do the morning. Um, so and I think it's really easy, especially if you're as so much of a pushover as I am in some ways, that you want to please people by being available and coming, being at people's beck and call or feeling like you have to do stuff. You know, I had somebody phone me yesterday to say, oh, I, lo uh, I love I love your column. Do you want to come and do it over here for free? It's like, well, no, not really. Um, so uh, I made the, I made time for that call in the afternoon. And then I just thought, no, that's that's just going to take two hours out of my fortnight that I don't have to give um so I'm not going to do it even though I, I like them the overall mission of that publication so um I think you do have to be fairly careful about how you spend your time what you say yes to and when you agree to do things for example um so actually you know how can I be more productive and then how can I make more of the stuff that I have produced I think you have to really you know really sit down and have a think about that um especially if all your new year's resolutions have just gone out the window uh lent you know we're well into lent now so now is the time maybe the, for the summer there might be a plan um but yeah i think you do need to take control as best yeah. you can because there are so many things you don't have control over for goodness sake try to control the things that you can control so let's just um uh, i guess to kind of wrap up what we've been uh, talking about uh, today then it's uh yeah obviously the writing is uh, absolutely the main thing uh writing keep writing all the time but be aware that uh, as well as uh, being a writer you are also a, a a professional and you're in a professional business and you uh you kind of need to be you need people to know who you are 
uh, other than just someone who sits there and writes. And you need to get get out there, uh, and you need to get over yourself, as we mm-hmm. all do as introverted writers. Um, and so that's really the kind of that's the, the message for. Uh, how to sort of progress really and if you want to know more about that come and join us uh, for the last Wednesday of every month on Mm. Patreon that'd be really good so if you google sitcom geeks and Patreon uh, then you there aren't any other sitcom geeks on Patreon so I think you'll be all right. also I look at my YouTube channel called The Situation Room and there's lots of short much shorter videos uh, there and also I I do a there's a 80 minute webinar that I've done which is uh, you can link to from my blog as well so um, there's loads of stuff out there, but actually, you know, you just need to have a good old plan and a think. And I think that Patreon thing uh, might be well worth considering doing. And also you might essentially get the money back anyway if you do my video course, because it is going to be quite a big saving on that. Great. OK, well, thanks very much, James. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you very much. And we'll see you all in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.